Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody is going pro. He's one of the best athletes Northern Nevada has ever seen. Everybody wants him. Robbie Snelling. On this episode, Chad welcomes Robbie Snelling, the San Diego Padres 39th overall pick in the 2022 MLB Draft. Robbie Snelling, San Diego Padres phenom is what they call you. That's a cool word to be called. That's a very cool term. That's a cool word to be called. The phenom. Chad and Robbie analyze his standout first season and look into this major leaguer's future. The Padres have been pretty good lately. Yeah. What do you work on when you get to that level to keep 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings? So I became a huge student of the game, the spotting the pitches and just becoming a smarter pitcher. Sit back, pour some jack, and let's dive deep into the dugout of today's This Life Ain't For Everybody. Now for Chad Belding and the Nevada Ace, Robbie Snelling. This room is beautiful. Yeah, I'm buddies with Zach Brown, um, and he helped me design all the acoustics and insulation in here. Right. He, all this stuff in his music studio in Nashville <laughs> are, is built just like this. The false right. floor is all insulated. All these pictures are are insulated that, canvas. That's awesome. So the sound's really good in I here. I like that picture a lot, the reflection. Yeah, it's Arkansas. You guys just missed my photographer, Tommy. Came over for New Year's breakfast. That's funny. My buddy, so... My best friend, who is also in the Padres organization, he got drafted before me. His uncle owns a hunting lodge in Arkansas, and so they went down there for Thanksgiving this year before and did a whole big duck hunt as a family. He said that it was ridiculous. He's not like a huge hunter, but he likes to talk about it and enjoys it. But he said, dude, that's something That's something we got to do next, next Thanksgiving. I'm like. Sounds good to me. That'd yeah, be that's kind of like the opening week. I was, I was in Arkansas the weekend after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's when the World Duck is and the Wings right. Prairie Festival. What part of Arkansas is lodging? Do you know? I I couldn't tell you. I'm not sure. Know. Yeah, he just said they were going down. That's did yeah. he say if they had timber? Yeah, they yeah, had timber. timber. Yeah, and that's, then they that's good. They built. It's like a whole like it's a stand a stand blind in a flooded field. So he's hunting rice too. Mm-hmm. Bryce and Buck Brush yeah. and Bryce Denver. Yeah, Arkansas is my favorite. Where's what positions your buddy playing the organization? He's a pitcher too. Yeah, he's a pitcher, right-handed, right-handed. right-handed yeah. yeah. So you went in the supplemental draft. Yeah, compensation. The compensation yeah, draft, first round compensation. Yeah, thirty ninth pick. Honestly, I still don't have a grasp on what compensation even means. It's like I don't know if they're supposed to save money or if they, I don't know if it's what well, even they didn't save money with you. I mean, that was that no was the thing like they. The, the kid that the other kid that got drafted with him was supposed to be a top five pick. Yeah, and then he blew his arm out in his senior year of high school. So, so oh. he was he was still there. So they took him, and then what? When did they? What did they called you like two picks later at seventeen? They called me at the pick at fifteen. They called me right before, and I was like, "Hey, this is it. I'm getting taken." And they were like, "We're not taking you here." We're taking this guy, but we're going to underpay him and then overpay you at 39. So, I mean, and they didn't really underpay him that much. I think they cut like 300000 off of it and then gave me well over what my slot projection was. So, And you were a senior at McQueen then? Yeah. And you had signed a full ride with LSU? Yes, sir. Yeah. You were going to – I mean, you did, what other colleges recruited you? Um, there, there was a lot of a lot. Yeah, I I'd was, imagine. Yeah, for both football and baseball. It, it got to a point where, I mean, the baseball recruiting happens earlier than football recruiting because it's a lot easier to project how a, how a kid's going to be in baseball compared to football because you're not physically mature as a freshman in high school. 
for football, but for baseball, it's like if a kid throws hard, you can project that he's going to throw hard when he's older too. So I was getting baseball offers pretty early, like freshman year. And then once I started playing football and playing varsity in high school after my sophomore year, <clears throat> the the offers started coming in. And so baseball coaches were going to the football coaches at the colleges and like, hey, we really like this guy. We think you would too, like offer him because football has full rides yeah. and baseball only has like like a ridiculously low amount of scholarships that they can offer for each year. So, so did you, what did LSU offer you? What? It was basically a full ride for, for what, what did you baseball. like about LSU? What did they, what did they the, give you the environment was, was ridiculous. Baton Rouge yeah. Is pretty cool, huh? Yeah. We got to, we went to a football game. They played Auburn. Um, they ended up losing, but it was like, it was a ridiculous game. It was like Bo Nix's, coming out yeah. game for Auburn that like the whole country kind of realized how good he was. So that was fun to watch, even though it was against LSU, but like the environment was crazy. I had never been around, you know, facilities as, as good as what the SEC has to offer. And it's like you go to Pac-12. I took a couple of visits to Pac-12 schools. I went to Arizona and Oregon before um, I visited LSU. And Pac-12 schools is like you got one main weight room, which is usually football and basketball. And then like everybody shares that. And then in the SEC, it's like every sport has their own weight room own specific weight room so you don't have to share it you don't have to worry about you know baseball has to come in at six in the morning because football is going to be in there at eight it's like you get to go in whenever you want and everything's like key card access everybody gets a key card and it's just it's a whole new world compared to what pac-12 and all the other schools that i saw did they recruit you in football too lsu um, well, so Brian Kelly ended up getting that coaching job at LSU and he recruited me when he was at Notre Dame. So I was thinking that there was probably going to be some football recruitment that happened, but they were in the middle of that coach O and Brian Kelly coaching swap. And so the draft happened and it was kind of like, you know, he's not going to, I wasn't even going to end up considering going there if, if I was going to get taken where I was projected in the draft. So with you being a first round draft pick, and we'll get into some of your accolades, Robbie, but you know, baseball America's pitcher of the year in the minor leagues, you're up for the final three for pitching prospect in the major leagues, throwing ninety three to ninety seven with great stuff in the with the off speed stuff. What do you think about academics at all anymore? Does it cross your mind that you're a good student in high school? Um, do you have thoughts of continuing your education through your professional baseball career or do you think that all happens when you when you retire and you're you got some money in the bank and you've you've had a heck of a major league career i've thought about it a lot and i mean both my parents were teachers i mean they still are both my while i was growing up academics was huge and so i mean that kind of put me in, at that level in high school you know going up through school and it was a great spot to be in and i realized the importance of it and you know at this point that i'm in right now I've, I've thought about it a lot like should I go back to school in the off season should I you know knock out a couple of credits here and there while I'm while I'm in my off season but this is really my my first off season after a full season and so I'm just trying to get a feel of what an off season is going to be like you know like how how much time am I really going to have to do my credits am I going to still be able to you know relax and and let my body recover from the season that I just had so right now I think I'm in the feeling of like if I'm going to dedicate myself to baseball I want to be full baseball and not have you know anything after and the off season is really just going to be for recovering and then ramping my body up again for the next season so right now it'll probably be academics after I'm after I'm done with my career whenever that is. So do you think that 
you're disciplined enough through your upbringing and the way your mom and dad raised you that if you're worth a couple hundred million dollars and everything goes the way it could in this game because baseball you're a lefty you're tall you got you got what it takes to be you know maybe even a major leaguer this year knock on wood right um but you know anything can happen in life but do you think you're disciplined enough if you got a couple hundred million, quarter of a billion dollars sitting in your bank account that you would still go back and I, get a degree? Have you made a promise to your mom and dad I, that you do it? Uh, more so my mom. My mom's the one that kind of hammers me on it. Like, you need to go back. You need to go to college at some point. And so, you know, I'm, I'll, I would do that for her. I, I'm very sure of that. So, um, and I mean, there's, there's always a life after baseball. You could have all the money in the world and, you might think you're well off, but like money doesn't solve everything. I feel like I wouldn't want to just uh, just sit on my money after my career's done. You never know how old you're going to be when you're done, and so you need a backup plan. And school is a, a great you know lead in to figuring out what you want to do after. Hey, what about your discipline when it comes to your mentality of? Can money change you, Robbie? Can you you sign for a couple million dollars, a little bit more than that? I don't know the exact number, but you got some money in the bank now at a young age. You grew up in probably a pretty humble household. Teachers yeah. aren't known in, in, in this area or pretty much anywhere of making a ton of money. Right. I don't know about your family history, but I would guess that you grew up in a pretty humble household that worked hard and respected money and respected and appreciated the things that you and your siblings got to do with your family. Um, has it changed you? at all do you see it changing you at all or or do you you know refuse to go that route of letting money change you i really don't think that it's changed my personality and i don't think that it'll it would ever change that It, it just changes like some of the things i get to do more of the stuff that i enjoy doing and uh but i mean at the same time that's not not changing the person that i am I mean, I'll wear different shoes than what I was able to afford when I was in school and then what my, you know, I wouldn't have my parents buy those shoes for me when I was in school. But now that I'm able to do it, I I treat myself occasionally. But, you know, most of the money that I have, I I have put away and it's just, you know, accumulating in in my bank. And I'm, I'm just, there's a set where a section of money where, you know, I'm okay with spending it. And then there's a section of it that's, that's put away and I'm not touching it. So, um, I made one big purchase and that was my truck. And then after that, there's, there's not really going to be any big purchases until, you know, I get another good hefty paycheck. So. So you're, are you learning how to finance and, and cause they don't teach a lot of that in high no, school. They don't. You no. could probably get into that a little bit in a college, whether it's junior college or four-year yeah. school, but um, you, you have help with that. You have mentors, your agent. I, I, I assume that they, they, they kind of give you some, some guidance with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always people to, that are out there that are going to say that they're going to help you with that stuff. That was the thing that I had to learn was, you know, look for the people that are actually interested in helping you and have your best interests in mind and aren't just looking at you as like, okay, well, if I help this guy out, I get a paycheck too. So I have a financial advisor and I have a, an agent that they're great. I mean, that's more of a personal relationship than it is, you know, business relationship. And <clears throat> I love that about both of them. It's awesome. They're great people. And, you know, we can have sit down lunch whenever I'm in their area and whenever they're in my area and we don't have to talk about business. It's just like, you know, you're working together and you don't have to strictly be business the entire time. It's like a friendship. I have a buddy that plays in the, well, he played now he's up for some big money right now. Josh Hader was yeah. his closer last yep. year. Josh is a big hunter, a good buddy of mine. Um, He's a left-hander. Mm-hmm. 
He's got some serious. He's nasty. He's nasty, yeah. right? I've, it's funny. We're, I was in the weight room this last spring training. It was my first spring training ever. And me and my buddy were looking for places to fish around um, Arizona and just trying to kill time after practice every day. And he was sitting in the weight room rolling out one day and just talking to him, talking with one of the other guys on the team like, oh, yeah, I went to I went to this pond the other day and I was fishing and we're like, where was that? We were asking him and he told us it was, it was pretty cool. That's, I didn't know that about him. I didn't know that he was into, you know, the hunting and, and hunting and fishing type of thing. Do you, where I'm going with that is, you know, you, you probably grew up a big sports fan like I did. Yeah. Um, what was it like getting around those guys? I know that you have to keep your wits about you. You got your own set of tools and your, you know, your own skill set that you're there to, to work on in Scottsdale. And, um, I don't, where is Peoria? Peoria. Yeah. I've been, I, you guys share with the Mariners. Yeah. With yep. the Mariners, right? Yeah. Yep. I've been to that. I was there last year with, uh, with Josh. Oh, really? I probably saw you out there. Awesome. Matt Williams yeah, was doing probably. P. Matty was doing PIP with you guys. Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, so was he was days. he was probably working with the other guys, but we're we're kind of tucked in the backfields. They don't they don't let a lot of fans see us over on the minor league fields. So yeah, big leaguers are pretty much front and center. Have what did you get like in awe at all when you get around major leaguers for the first time? Were you like, wow, I'm really here. This is like you had projections. Right, you got drafted, <clears throat> but when you finally got there, and I don't know, did you go to short season at all when you got drafted, or did was spring training your, your uh, first time? In so there? I reported for a strength camp. Strength. Right after the draft, um, I threw in a couple of – it wasn't ACL and it wasn't extended league games. It was more of a, a strength camp, like fall league that we were playing in. And so I, th- I threw in a couple of those games. I think I had like two or three starts in those. And then strength camp in December, and that was about it. So that was our that was the short season that I had. Um, then I went back for the off season for the month of January, and then I came back for spring training. So it was a, a pretty quick turnaround from the draft to the the first full season. But I think that short season really helped me. But about being in awe about guys, I really I try not to. But I mean, there's definitely those few guys that you look at and they they walk into the room and you're like. I'm in the same room as as so and so, you know. Xander Bodegarts walks into the cafeteria, and you're like, "Well, you know, I'm in the same room as him." Like, not on the same level, obviously. Like, I don't have 300 million dollars to my name, but um, it's pretty cool that you know you're you're sharing the same complex and, and same goals as those type of guys. Yeah, big time. So let's run it back now. Let's let's go back to when you're coming out of. 12-year-old Little League, you're probably – where you play? Reno American, Reno yeah, National? Reno American. Reno American, you're an all-star, I'm sure. You're going into 7th and 8th grade as a 13- and 14-year-older. What is that called in Reno now? Is it Babe Ruth at that time? Uh, so, I didn't play Babe Ruth. I played travel ball right after Little League was done. You started playing travel ball. Yeah, so I think I started travel ball my either – last season of little league baseball or second to last season of of little league ball um and then the the babe ruth thing we just i got i got into a a situation where i was able to go down to california and play for a a pretty good travel team down in the bay area and um that was really good for me just trying to get out and, and see different talent across the whole country and see how i stack up against those kids and I mean, that, I think that is probably a very good reason why I am where I am today. It's kind of the approach that Bryce took, right? Bryce yeah. Kind yeah. Of took, he didn't, I mean, you didn't drop out of school like no, Bryce did, but no. 
I mean, I think Bryce even he went dropped to a, out of he school. He went to a junior college as a 16-year-old. Yeah, to get his GED yeah. to be yeah. eligible for the – well, he, he dropped out and started playing travel ball a bunch, mm-hmm. and then he went back to see, uh, Southern Nevada, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw him play here against WNCC. That's, that must have been fun. He was a catcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he played everything in, yeah. in JUCO. It was, it was a wooden bat JUCO league. Yeah, yep. And he, was, he pitched too, I think, at, at some point in that too. What were you doing in that travel league? Were you – obviously, you're not just pitching. Were you hitting bombs? Yeah, you? I was hitting too. I was hitting and I played a little bit of outfield too. But really, I didn't realize the importance of this, but the coach that I had, he was awesome. And he didn't want to take my bat out of the lineup when I wasn't pitching. So he would DH me on the days that I wasn't pitching to save my body for, you know, whenever I was going to pitch next in in the tournament that we were playing in, which at the time I'm like, man, I want to be on the field. Like, just let me go out and, and play in the outfield. But really, if you go out there and you bake in the sun, because we played in Arizona, we played at the spring training facilities and it's a hundred degrees down there when you're playing in the summer and you know, it's not smart. Like you, you go down there and you bake in the sun for a day that you're not pitching. And then you try and come back the next day and, and pitch. You're not going to be a hundred percent. So he was really like, all right, you'll get your at bats for the game, but then you'll sit in the shade of the dugout the rest of the game. Yeah. So when you mentioned that when you're, you know, at some age around going into high school that you had, people talking to you about sports yeah some football people were talking to you after you started playing football but earlier than that you had some college recruiting going on in baseball when did you and your family know that in your coaching staffs at those levels down there know that you had a pretty live arm and some and some legitimate potential i would like to say i wasn't getting approached by you know scouts or or college coaches or anything but in little league i was i was pretty dominant while i was playing little league and partially that's why we went down to california and had me play for the team down in southern california because at that point you're a pretty big fish in a in a little pond you know say in reno but you get out of out of the area and you go to california and you see how you stack up against kids in the whole state of california and i and i succeeded when in doing that and then you know after that you just go across the country and, and see if you know find a spot where you start to struggle and you realize what you have to work on and and keep going back to the drawing board and, and figuring out what you need to do to be better than everybody else that you're playing against but when i started getting talked to coaches about baseball probably my freshman year of high school and to my family that was crazy like the the travel team that I was around, we would practice with the older kids a lot. So when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I'd be practicing with the you know the freshmen, sophomores in high school, and there were some talented kids in there. And parents are talking to my parents, and they're like, "Well, my kid has this offer, and like they they're asking him to commit because the offer might not be there in you know a year or so if he doesn't commit." And that was just crazy to us. And my dad uses the analogy, like high school kids don't even know what they want to wear to school that day. And you're asking them to pick the college that they're going to go to for four years. It was just a really crazy concept for us. But um, I mean, we got thrown into the same situation and I ended up committing to Stanford my freshman year of high school for, for only baseball. And then the football recruiting started picking up my sophomore year. And I really just, I wanted to open up my recruitment and and explore, you know, what other schools were going to be interested in me because I really had a dream of playing both sports in college, even though I knew that it was going to be hard. That was something that I wanted to try and do. Did you ever have the mindset to leave football alone with the potential of injury? Because sooner or later, everybody gets hurt in football. Right. And I know that there's a lot of injury in baseball because of 
you know, it's not massive injury in my yeah. opinion. You know, football, no. you're, whether it's a concussion or a broken bone, there's, it's not if, it's when kind of yeah. attitude, especially if you're playing both sides of the ball. Exactly. If you're, if you're a linebacker, if you're a running back, if you're, if you're catching the ball across the middle. But did you ever think, and you know, in, also, you know, linemen take a beating. Yeah. They take a beating more than any of the specialized right. players probably. But um, did you ever think about or have a, call, a talk with your mom and dad? Like, look, there could be some big money on the line someday. There could be big time, you know, sc- college scholarships. Stanford is a freshman. Then LSU, it's not cheap to go to either one of those no. schools. It's very expensive. But to get it paid for, that's a big investment by that organization or that that school. Was there any ever talk? Was there ever any talk like, you need to quit playing football and concentrate on baseball? Or would you tell kids today, like, play as many sports as you can. Get well-rounded in a bunch of sports. Don't just specialize in one baseball. Because in today's world, you get on a traveling team, you could play baseball almost year-round. Exactly. I am a person that is a big fan of playing as many sports as you can for as long as you can. Um, I Even now, like, I played basketball in middle school. And, you know, I knew that that wasn't going to be my future, but I enjoyed playing it. I loved playing it. And now I look back at it and I wish I played basketball in high school because it's just it's a sport that I could have played a little bit longer with my buddies and and had those experiences. You know, I enjoyed baseball and football a lot, so I probably would have enjoyed basketball in high school, too. So I just I wouldn't want, you know, any kids to look back and be like, man. I specialized in baseball. I really wish I would have played football, though, because football taught me a lot of lessons that baseball wouldn't have been able to teach me. And I think that that made me the type of baseball player that I am today. And being, you know, so mentally tough and being able to be on the mound and be in adverse situations. And, you know, some kids might not know what to do. And I feel like I have a a pretty firm grasp on understanding how to deal with really tough situations that you might get put in in a game. Coming from a place that has such rich football history, Ken Dalton, the Lancers, a lot of state championships in the 90s. Um, We won state my sophomore year there. We won state my senior year there. Had some amazing teams. Um, Athletes that came out of there, Todd Floyd, Todd Carriza, Soma Halu, Dan Avancino, Senegor. There's a lot of studs, you know, way back then. There's been a – ever since that school came into existence, I think 1982, McQueen starts – and they got on track pretty quick as a strong within a decade. Right. They're beating Joe Sellers and the Wooster Colts in the, yeah. in the, in the Northern Nevada, you know, championship and going to state in Vegas and playing at the, I think it's Sam Boyd football stadium down there at the time. Right. Friday night lights is, you know, be, you know, you go down to Texas or Louisiana, it's unreal down there compared to here. Different right? than but what still, it is. it's still a cool feeling being up yeah. on Lancer Hill. Um, did high school baseball ever give you that same kind of rush? I know you were a stud, but that Friday night lights feeling of running through the paper and lighting up that scoreboard and maybe going to back when I played, it was Shakey's Pizza down on Keystone. Right. But, you know, going to the hangout with the boys and maybe a girlfriend after we'll talk about your girlfriend. She's the daughter, one of my best friends. Um, in a little bit, but did you ever get the same feeling in high school baseball that you did from that Friday night light, you know, that, that culture and that energy? I wouldn't say that it was the same feeling. I say that it was, you know, it could be compared. Um, but I don't think anything will will match the football was my first love. That's what I grew up around. My dad was a coach for, for forever when I was growing up at, at McQueen and his last season was my senior year of high school. So that's all I knew growing up. And, um, as a kid being up on the field and that was my dream was you know going to state and playing football with my buddies and you know stepping out on the field on friday nights like you're saying and you know there's it's a ridiculous atmosphere for a a football player to be a part of um 
the only thing that I could say that was pretty similar to that in baseball was I made a game with myself to just, you know, see how dominant I can be in each start because it got to a point where in high school, I felt pretty dominant each game that I was pitching in. And there would be some games where I'd walk away with 14 strikeouts and I'd be upset with it because there were other games where I had more strikeouts. And so um, it was really just a game with my mental state and just trying to figure out, well, what do I need to do to beat this last start that I had? I mean, that's really the only thing, the competitive mind inside of me that really kind of related to Friday nights with football. So when you're coming into your own in high school and you you're popular in the area, you're in the paper a lot, you're on the news reports a lot. Um, talk, let's talk about ego a little bit and confidence and being cocky or being arrogant or being, you know, somebody that somebody doesn't want to be around because your head gets too big. Right. Which could potentially happen with the attention you're getting, as you said a big fish in a small pond, which Reno can be, you know, the biggest little city in the world. Um, Was it your upbringing that kept you level-headed? Was it your discipline that your mom and dad, the way that they taught you how to respect people, to respect money, to respect success, all of that? Did you learn all of that daily as a kid growing up? And you kept that in your pocket the entire time? And also, Robbie, I want you to talk about, did it ever slip on you? Did you ever feel yourself slipping to where you might have started being like, man, I really am the shit, you know, like I am, I'm Robbie freaking Snell. Like, you know, did you ever start getting a big head at all as a big fish on, you know, Lancer Hill up there? I really feel like I didn't. Um, you know, my parents raised me to, like you said, really respect the the money side of things, respect everybody that you come in contact with, you know, no matter what kind of status you have. Um, and I really take pride in the fact of, you know, people hear about me and they might not meet me, but other people have told me told me to those people and they hear those things and they're like, oh, well, this guy, you know, can't be as, as great as you, you know, make him out to be. And then I meet him and it's a, it's a huge compliment to myself when they say, wow, you're super, you know, humble about everything that you have, what everything that so-and-so said about you was correct. Like you're a great person. That makes me feel really good about myself. And then it also just speaks volumes to, you know, how my parents raised me. And it's, it's a great reflection on my family in that, in that side of things. I do sometimes, I don't think it's ever slipped on me, but there are instances where I have a really short interaction with somebody either like I'm busy doing something, that person's busy doing something. And I'll look back on it and I'll critique little things that I said to him like, man, I feel like, you know, I really kind of just blew that person off. I feel really bad about, you know, maybe something that I said that maybe could have come off the wrong way. And it kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes because I feel bad and I don't want that person. So you care about what people do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's really important to me. And uh, it's funny. A lot of people, this is just kind of an example of it. A lot of people, I don't like saying, you know, when people ask what I do or where I go to school for college, I don't like saying I play baseball for the San Diego Padres. Like, cause to me, that's like, if somebody said that to me in a wrong tone, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Like, sorry for asking. But you know, my girlfriend makes fun of me for it. Her people will ask me, well, where do you go to school? What do you do? And I say, I, I play baseball and you know, you probably got to elaborate a little bit with that. I was playing golf with my cousin uh, a year ago in Redding, California. And it was one of his buddies that works at the prisons with him. And my cousin had talked to me 
about the people that we're going to be golfing with and they're, they're small town type of people and, you know, just treat them like, you know, how I would treat my family. And so we're talking with him and he goes, well, where are you going to school? Like, where are you going to school? What do you do? Do you have a job? And I go, no, I'm not going to school. He's like, well, where do you work? And I go, I play baseball. And he's like, oh, okay. And my cousin goes, you probably have to elaborate a little bit on, you know, what playing baseball means. And the guy's like, yeah, like, what does that mean? I go, I play baseball for the San Diego Padres. And he goes, oh, okay. Like I was thinking, you know, my son says he plays baseball. He's seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> and so it just, you know, I, I don't like just throwing it out there because it, it could be perceived, you know, taken in a, sure. in a wrong way. Yeah. And I get it. You want to protect like your image, right? You want to be known as the guy that kills with his talents and not his words. You don't yeah. need to, you don't need to come at anybody like that. You're above anybody for what you do. You're, you're playing a kid's game, right? You exactly. were lucky enough to develop a skill set through hard work, you know, whether it was passion, work ethic, Mom and dad getting you to morning weights on time. You know, you, your mom and dad probably ran you around this country on oh, their dime for yeah, a long time. Absolutely. You know, so you got to stay, you know, humble about and have a lot of humility that just because you're the one on the bump and you're delivering that pitch and you're getting that award, it's not, it's still a team game in a lot more ways than just the nine guys on that field. You know, you had exactly. a whole community helping you, whether it was your high school team or your teachers or your principal, or there's probably been a lot of influence and inspiration in your life to get you to where you got. Yeah. With that being said, you are talented. So you are, you like to have fun. You're an athlete and you mentioned golf, but now, and I, it might even be written in your contract as a minor league or in the minor leagues the Padres organization, but as you grow into that organization, you know, we talk about maybe midway through this season, there's projections of you being in the show, maybe sooner, who knows, again, knock on wood, but um, you probably like to snow ski a little bit growing up. You like to wakeboard at the lake in the summer. How hard is it going to be? Do you, do you have to really watch yourself now when you're under contract in the, in that organization? They probably don't want you taking any chance of hurting that left wing or, you know, pull, you know, breaking a rib, right. anything that's going to affect you, you know, like yeah. injury in baseball, you could be prone to Walker Bueller. Good buddy of mine's coming back right now from his second Tom. Right. Right. And Walker's on this podcast all the time. And I talk to him like, well, he, you know, he golfs every day. I'm like, well, what if you herniate a disc right. swinging too hard? You know, yeah. like, I get it. Life is life and it's got to be lived. But how do you look at that now of going wakeboarding in the summer and the off season? I guess you're really not in the off season in the summer, right. but going mule deer hunting and slipping and, and, and twisting your ankle. Yeah. Do you have to take a lot better care of yourself now? Um, I mean, I try and not live my life, you know, scared of things that potentially could happen. But at the same time, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where, you know, the risks of something happening to my body are elevated than other situations. So, I mean, like you're saying, my off season is not really in the, in the summer. So the wakeboarding and that type of thing is kind of out the window because we're playing baseball at that time. But, you know, I snowboarded a little bit growing up, but it was never really something that I, you know, was going up to the mountain every weekend. It was never something that I really dedicated myself to. So, you know, that's not something that I have to worry about. And then, you know, I, the hunting side of things, that's just, I feel like you could fall and twist an ankle on a curb if you're walking down the street. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's the same thing and I'm not going to stop doing what I'm, what I enjoy doing and, and love doing during my off season, um, you know, because of, one a little fear that I have um and I mean you you're definitely a little more careful about 
where you step and making sure that your your body's taken care of. There's an example. I play golf, like you said, and I mean, I never really even thought about the herniated disc thing, but there's a funny story when I was in low A this year in Lake Elsinore, we just got a brand new batting cage in our indoor facility. And I was there early one Sunday morning. We play early games on Sundays and I got there at like eight in the morning. We play it either 12 or one. I can't remember what time it was, but I was, I was like the only player in the locker room. I was just hanging out on the couch. I woke up early that morning and our hitting coordinator came in. He was coming into town from Arizona and you know, they're, they're they're just there to, to watch and take notes on, on some of the hitters that are there. And he walks through the doors and sees that I'm laying there and he goes, you hit in high school, right? I was like, yeah, I, I hit. And he goes, you drop bombs. I was like, I, I hit pretty good. I was a pretty good hitter. He goes, let's go, let's go back to the batting cages. So we go back there. He's throwing me some BP and I'm hitting. Felt good. Lacing him back into the back of the screen. And my pitching coach walks in. He goes, get the F out of the cage. And I'm like, oh, shoot. He goes, that's the last thing I need is to tell AJ Preller you pulled your oblique taking up batting practice yeah. in our new cages. And I was that was, that's when it really hit me like, all right, like, you know, it, it makes sense. Like, they're taking care of me. I understand that. Yeah. But, like, I was kind of frustrated. I'm like, can't wrap me in bubble wrap. Like, like, like yeah, not, not every – yeah, exactly. But, they're, but they are but it, they're it's, willing it's to an, invest it's an in investment. Money. Yeah, it's an investment yeah. and they don't want to – I totally get it. But I, I just thought that that was super funny. It's, that's when it clicked was like, all right, like you got you to gotta be smart with the decisions that you make and like things that you do. So We're going to break here for a few commercials. Thank you all so much for being here. It's the seventh inning stretch, and Chad and Robbie are just getting warmed up. And with the 39th pick of the 2022 MLB Draft, the San Diego Padres Limited Partnership selects Robbie Snelling. Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody is proudly brought to you by Mickey Thompson Tires, Lear Toppers, and Corning Ford. Chad Belding and MLB superstar Robbie Snelling will return in a moment. Hang tight. Hey, everybody, you know, we are a huge fan of Jack Daniels, not just their product, but their mission, their culture, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the people. And we want to introduce you to the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. Join us at jackdaniels.com and learn about the Single Barrel Program, visiting Lynchburg, Tennessee, participating in a barrel tasting, a whiskey tasting, picking your favorite flavor, whether it's the burn in your mouth, whether it's the maple, whether it's the different combination of flavors that you are going to experience in each of the distinct bottles of Jack Daniels Single Barrel, you're going to be able to choose the best one, your favorite one, and purchase that entire barrel. It all comes bottled in individual single barrel bottles. You get your own hanging name tag, brand tag, your logo on it. You can give them away as gifts. Go knock on the door of a landowner and say, thank you for letting me hunt your field. There's so many options with the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. We're proud to be part of it. We have introduced it to so many of our friends and family across the country, whether it was at a business, whether it was at a duck lodge, whether it was at a conservation event. It is truly an awesome program. Learn more about it at jackdaniels.com, the Single Barrel Program. We've been involved for the last five years. I'm looking at two of my barrels right now. We just got our 2023 barrel in the Single Barrel Rye. Absolutely mesmerizing. My brother Clint's old fashions with it speak for themselves. It's the Jack Daniels single barrel program. Check it out. Learn about it. I hope you decide to visit Lynchburg, Tennessee and get your own barrel. Thank you very much. 
Today's episode of The Foul Life is brought to you by Lear. Now, I know not everyone is into trucks like I am, but those of you who are, you know there's nothing like hitting the road in a rig that's decked out just the way you like it. And that's where Lear comes in. These guys are the real deal when it comes to truck accessories. They've been in the game for over 50 years, and they know their stuff when it comes to making your ride look and perform its best. What I love about Lear is their commitment to quality. These aren't just any old truck caps or bed covers. They are built to last. They use only the best materials like fiberglass and aluminum so you know you're getting something that can take a beating and keep on trucking. They're tougher than nails and weather resistant so you can keep your gear safe and dry no matter what mother nature throws your way. But that's not all. Lear also knows that truck owners are a unique breed and they offer a ton of customization options to help you make your ride truly your own. From colors and finishes to add-ons and accessories they've got everything you need to make your truck stand out from the crowd. And let's talk about security. Lear has some of the most innovative locking systems out there, like their twist handle locking system that makes sure your gear stays put no matter where you park, and their easy lift system makes it a breeze to access your cargo when you need it. When it comes to truck accessories, you don't want to skip on quality. Head on over to Lear.com today and check out their full range of products. Whether you're looking for a new truck cap, a bed cover, or an accessory, they've got you covered 100%. Thank you for listening to the Foul Life Podcast, and keep on trucking my friends vision i just had a lens retraction surgery last year it's pretty much like cataracts that you're going to get in your 60s 70s everybody's going to get it once you get it your vision is there it's never changing artificial lenses i had it at 40s and i'm telling you with what i do with duck hunting and scouting and watching my daughter grow up i'm just so thankful that i'm back to 2015 in my right eye and 2020 in my left eye thanks to dr matt mills who you've all heard on our podcast but i want to protect my eyes and that's exactly where one of our badass partners comes in Oakley, Oakley eyewear, the Oakley culture, the Oakley lifestyle. Protect your vision when you're shooting, when you're fishing. Nothing worse than getting a hook in the eye with somebody casting on the same boat. You just can't take it for granted. The damage the sun can cause, the rays, the UV, just keeping the dust and the dirt out of your eyes, just everything during a hunt, pit blind, boat blind, it doesn't matter, sun up. They make different lenses for different skies. They're sold all over the world and they support the military and the blue line and conservation and hunting and fishing in the outdoors and living off the land. And we never hunt without our Oakleys. Everybody's like, why you always got your sunglasses on? Shouldn't be wearing sunglasses. You probably shouldn't in turkey hunting. I don't wear them in turkey hunting because of the vision of a turkey and the reflection. But when I'm shooting trap range or the sporting clays or the skeet or the five stand, or I'm in a duck hunt or a goose hunt, I have my Oakleys with me at all time. I put them in my banded backpack. I have them in an Oakley hard case. I keep them protected. The prism lenses, everything that goes in to the technology behind the Oakley brand and the frames, the function of them, all of the different lenses that you can get, like I mentioned, and the way they protect our eyes. The prism lens technology is second to none. You got to get a pair of Oakleys. I know there's a lot of choices out there when you want to protect your eyes, but remember, please support the brands that support this lifestyle. Oakley, the official eyewear of the Foul Life TV, the Foul Life podcast, and everything we do here at the provider and where the pavement ends. Thank you so much for supporting. Oakley. Steps into the batter's box here in the 0-2 pitch. Got him again. Another strikeout for Snelling. It's number five. It's time for the conclusion of Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with host Chad Belding and Nevada's Southpaw son, Robbie Snelling. You're a lefty. You're tall. You've got what it takes to be maybe even a major leaguer this year. Knock on wood, right? Yeah. Um, do you have thoughts of continuing your education through your professional baseball career? If I'm going to dedicate myself to baseball, I want to be full baseball and not have 
you know, anything after. Right now, it'll probably be academics after I'm done with my career, whenever that is. This highlight of America's favorite pastime and Robbie Snelling is brought to you in part by Cowboy Choice Feeds, The Provider, Traeger Grills, and Rigid Lights. Now, back to Chad and Robbie. You're 19 or 20 right now. I just turned 20. You just turned 20. Yeah. You're not even old enough to have a beer yet. <laughs> right. What is nutrition like for you right now as a grown boy still? You're a man. I get it. But you still have a metabolism. You still, yeah. you know, like you get my age. I'm 49 now. And I, I try to work out as much as I can. But still, you you can't stop the hands of time. You just can't. Um, but at your age, you could eat whatever you want kind of. But what kind of route are you on right now with your protein intake? Talk to me like if you were talking to a high school, you know, sophomore, junior. How do you take care of your body? You don't fill it with bad food every day. No. You don't drink. You, you can't go out and excessively do anything. Moderation. If you have a beer here and there, fine. Go kill a limited chucker or mallards and you have a celebration beer, beer that's safe. Who knows what you do? But as far as the nutrition goes, are you really watching what you put into your body right now? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not a huge person on counting calories. A lot of people will ask me like, well, what's your calorie intake every day? I don't count them. I just, I know what I'm putting in my body. I know the amount that I'm putting in, you know, and I know how I look after, you know, I do my workouts and, you know, over time I've been doing it for a while. Um, it's definitely, a. I wouldn't say it's even hard because I feel like I've always been pretty good at my nutrition and, and making my own food and being able to, to take care of myself and, and knowing when to eat, you know, before and after workouts and, and taking care of, you know, the, the muscles that you're trying to build for the sports that you're playing. But when you're home in the off season, like you don't have a, a buffet laid out for you, like we do at the complex during the season you know you're you're making food you're going out and you know not fast food but if you're ordering food you got to know what what is going to be the best to put in your body for for what your goals are and what you want and the changes you need to make to your body so I have a, a pretty firm grasp on that and just, you know, lots of proteins and carbs and healthy fats and making sure that, you know, you're putting, you're hydrating yourself. That was a huge thing for me is I, I really only drink water now um, and just bringing a hydro flask with me everywhere. I probably drink around 10, 10 of the, the big hydro flasks every day. And that's, I really saw a big change in my energy levels and, you know, just my performance overall and, you know, being able to go out on a field and, and sweat and not feel dehydrated and just exhausted. Because when we got into San Antonio, it was super hot. It's like 106 with 80% humidity and you're sweating bullets when you're out there. And it's hard to keep your body hydrated and keep water down. But if you keep hydrating, you know, that morning of, during the day and then throughout the game, and you do that for weeks on end, your body's going to respond really well to it. The off-season food's different, but once you get into the season, you have a buffet laid out for you. There, our nutritionist is making sure that you're getting healthy food, so there's not really anything that you have to worry about like, oh, well, that's not good for me because they're not going to put it on the table for you if it's not good for you. So, How tall are you? About 6'3". How much you weigh right now? 225. There's no buffet laid out for you in the off-season at home. Mom and dad are still... You know, letting you be do your thing. Yeah. You probably got to be on your own. What about your What about your fitness? Are you staying disciplined in the off season of 
getting in the gym, getting on the bump? Are you cold plunging at all? Are you hot tubbing it? Are you going into sauna? Give me a little bit of what the regimen is in the off season when you don't have your strength and conditioning coach right there. Your dad, you know, was kind of in that position and as a high school football yeah. coach, and he probably is there for you and with some, you know, with some upkeep and insight on that. But are you able to stay personally disciplined in your fitness? Yeah. I mean, so I have, we have an app on our phone that gives us the lifts that, you know, during the off season that you should be doing. You don't necessarily have to follow it. It's there for a guide of, of what they expect of you. And, you know, so after the season is done, after the first full season is done, I take about three weeks off of throwing. Um, I'll still do some light lifts and a little bit of running, but I take three weeks to a month off of th- just no throwing, just letting my arm rest. Because this last year I threw the most amount of innings I've ever thrown in, in my career. So, um, my, my arm and, and body just needed it. And so I was, I was still lifting. I get into the gym. Um, now that I'm starting to ramp things up, I'm in the gym about f- three to four times a week, um, doing heavy lifts. And then I'm running two times a week, either in the, on a treadmill in the gym or, or outside at, at home running some trails. But, you know, the, the cold tub and, and hot tub thing is, Tony's got a hot tub at his house, so I'll get in the hot tub every now and then, but really don't have a, a crazy cold tub. Just I'll, I'll turn the shower cold and, and stand in it for as long as I can at the end of my showers um, after workouts. But, you know, other than that, it's just I try and replicate everything that I do here, the exact same that I would do at the complex working out in spring training. I might not have the same equipment and facilities, but, you know, I'll work the best with, with what I have over here. Let's, let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk stats real quick. 11 and 3 with 22 games started, 103.2 innings pitch with a 1.82 ERA. This is overall in um, double A, high A, and single A. Pretty much amazing season. It was a amazing, very fun season. But uh, 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings. That's amazing, right? Yeah. When you get to the pro level coming out of high school. Right. Your history of, you know, being in California, pitching all over the country in travel ball. There, but there's got to be something – more than just the competition you face, right? You gotta, you gotta be a smart pitcher when you get to this level because now you're facing people from Puerto Rico and Dominican yeah, all and Cuba. Over the world. I mean, you're talking the about the best of the best all over the world when you get into the minor league systems and MLB, right? Yeah. So, what are you doing? Are you spotting your pitches well? I've I've watched a lot of your highlight videos all throughout the season. Tony's constantly sending me clips. Um, the ball's getting on people fast. Got a little bit of a rise in it. Yeah. Like you got some serious gas on your fastball coming from the left side. Mechanics are sound. But to have that many strikeouts per nine innings, that's an amazing season. Thank you. How do you plan on keeping that going? Like what are you working on right now um, in the Padres organization? Do they stick with your repertoire of what your pitches were coming out of high school? Have you had to reinvent your changeup? Have you had to learn a new pitch? What? How does that work once you get around – a coaching staff that is 100% engulfed, engulfed in making you the best possible, you know, payoff that they can get yeah. for the money they spend with you. They they want you to bring that organization a World Series title in the future, whether it's with you and, you know, I don't know who's going to be there by the time that happens, but the Padres have been pretty good lately. Yeah. Um, 
they didn't play up to their potential last year. I don't no. think they did, but they've had a good squad. But what do you work on when you get to that level to keep 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings? Uh, so I became a huge student of the game. Like you were saying, the the spotting the pitches and just becoming a smarter pitcher. That was something that, you know, I, I really took and, and kind of ran with. Um, my pitching coach in low A, who actually the season before just got done playing. He played for the Padres for a little bit. He had show time with, with the Orioles. Um, and <clears throat> his name's Thomas Eshelman. And uh, he really kind of took me under his wing and just showed me, you know, what he did. Maybe some things would stick for me. Didn't have to use all of it. But his big thing was he would take notes on the hitters that he was going to face that week leading up to whenever he started. So for the majority of the season, I was starting on Fridays. And so starting on Monday, I would take notes of, of the hitters. We have a website that we can go on to and look at stats of all the hitters and watch video on how they hit against specific pitches. And so... I would just do a deep dive into that. And I have a notebook full of, of notes that I would take on each hitter in the lineup on the roster. And then <clears throat> I would ask the catchers to take the same notes so that when we went into the pregame meeting on Friday, I would have a conversation with him because maybe he would see something that I didn't see in the video because he would have already caught in about two games before uh, we, we get into the game on Friday. Um, and so we just have a, a bounce back conversation back and forth and figure out a game plan going into that game of how we're going to approach the specific hitters. And we would do that for every series that I pitched in for, for all 22 starts that I made. So that was the big thing that I think helped change my repertoire that I had from high school to to the pros. Um, and then like you're saying with pitch design and, and different pitches, I didn't throw a change up in high school. Um, I was, I was really just a fastball curveball guy. Um, and so once I got to pro ball, they were like, you need a, you need a change up. And so get into, you know, training, spring training and, and that short camp that we were talking about earlier. And, you know, I'm trying out a whole bunch of different change up grips, trying to figure it out, figure out what's comfortable, what's going to move the best, what's going to play off of my fastball the best. And it was just a lot of trial and error, really. And it went into this last full season, too. I didn't find the changeup that I have now that I'm really happy with and have, I had success with in double A and at the end of my stint in high A. I didn't find that until probably my third start in high A, which that's 15 weeks into the season. And so, I mean, that's that's a, a long time for, for working on a changeup and finding something that works. But now that I've found it, now it's just fine little details that I can kind of figure out. Um, the metrics are, are a huge thing in the game now. So just trying to figure out how I can, you know, separate my fastball ride from my changeup and create a, a big disparagence in, in the ride to my fastball and the drop of the changeup. And then also being able to tunnel that new changeup with my curveball and fastball. So it's, I mean, it's a lot and, you know, it's, it's been a, a long road of trying to figure it out, but really they, they stuck with, with my fastball and curveball from high school. And the only change that I've really made up to this point with, with pitches is the changeup. And then this next season, I think we're talking about adding in a curveball, like a true, more loopy curveball because oh, what I yeah what I throw right now is more of a slurve and it's it's kind of like a, a ten to five curveball. Is your arm speed the exact same on your fastball and your changeup? Yeah, the changeup's the hardest pitch to hit in baseball. It is my opinion. Like yeah, freaking like that's that pitch blows my mind when somebody's got it going. I when mean, it's good. There's yeah. several pitches that can be difficult to hit, but. When it's good, a changeup is legit, right? Yeah. But talk to me a little bit about what they taught you. Like, 
you didn't throw one in high school. No. So you just learned to throw one in high A. Um, 15 weeks into your first minor league season, what, what do you learn? Like, is it mainly the grip and the release? Because your arm action stays the exact same, correct? Yeah. yeah. So really the biggest, with a changeup, you pronate instead of supinate. So when you're pronating, the palm of your hand goes to the outside of your arm. And so the ball's kind of coming out. The main pressure that I put in my fingers is on my ring finger. And that's, everything's just kind of working off of that. And you want it to spin like a flying saucer, like a UFO. And so it, it took a while to try to be able to manipulate that because I don't pronate really well. I'm a huge supinator. That's why my breaking ball works so well for, for my pitch type. And so really trying to figure out, you know, what grip is going to work best where I don't need to pronate a crazy amount and still have the movement of a changeup to be able to, you know, they call it pulling the string where the ball just drops straight down um, or even get some arm side fade to it. And uh, like you said, it took 15 weeks to be able to figure that out into the season. And once I did, it became one of my favorite pitches to throw. So you're coming out of winter break right now. Pitchers and catchers probably report sometime in early February. It might even be earlier now. I don't even know how it works because something changed for spring training this year, right? What what is uh the Padres spring training shorter because they're playing in Korea this Korea, year? Okay, it's yeah. shorter. That's so you go down. Let's you know you're going down to Phoenix pretty much the outskirts of Phoenix. So. You'll just get down there and you'll be in another strength and conditioning. You'll work out every day. Yeah. Um, when do pitchers and catchers report? It's usually around Valentine's Day, so, so February, February 14th. 14th. Yeah. So you get in there February 14th. <clears throat> where do you see yourself talking with the organization right now? Where Will you start in high A this year or straight to double A? I haven't really had that conversation with <clears throat> with the organization You know, specifically. Um, I've talked to <clears throat> our strength guy that we had in double A. And he explained that a lot of our top prospects were going to start in double A this next year. So, because sometimes they'll go back to high A just to get another, right? Another couple starts on their belt. And that's usually, I mean, I I could see myself starting in double A again because in high A, I think I threw about 40 or 50 innings and I threw well in high A. And then I got to double A and I threw well again, but it was also a smaller sample size. I threw like 17 innings or something. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they send me back there so they see more of... Is that San Antonio? Yes, sir. Do you like Texas? I do. Yeah. yeah it was, just it was humid, fun. Huh? It was just very humid It's a good hot. baseball state, though. Yeah. Yeah. Good baseball state. So where where do you see your mentality being right now, Robbie, of going into this season? You got big shoes to fill again. I mean, your own. You, you got a lot riding on this because you have to back up an amazing season last year, yeah. right? Coming out of high school and to do what you did, what I just read off. And I'm not a real stat heavy guy. I don't sit there and like read the book on you. I'm more of right. a guy that just likes talking baseball. Just talking baseball now, generally speaking, where's your mind at? Are are you as competitive as they come? If I take you out here and tell you that I'm going to smoke you in ping pong, are you going to tell me, yeah, right, and, and, and welt me up? Or is that, is that where your mentality is right now, that uh, your, your competitive edge is going to bring you to that level that where you ended last season? That's a pretty good way to describe it. I mean, in anything that I do, I kind of turn it into a competition, and it might not even be sports-related, some of the stuff that we do. I mean, um, so, I mean, everything for me kind of revolves around competition and and beating another guy out or, or somebody that, you know, anything I can turn into a competition, I want to win against somebody. You wouldn't mess with your dad, though. Your dad's pretty stout. I I mess with – I push buttons sometimes. You push some buttons yeah, on pops. Yeah, I, I didn't used to, but now now that I, I'm a little bigger, I, I feel like 
you know, I, I hold my own a little bit. Mm, it don't work that I way. I don't think it does either, <laughs> but I, I like way. to try. It don't work that way. <laughs> I like I like your uh, confidence. So, so let's see. Let's talk about little Miss Marini here. How long have you been dating little Miss Marini? About three years. What do you call her? Gianna. Is that really what you go? You don't have a little. Well, so she doesn't. She doesn't like when when I call her Gianna. So I have to call her Gianna because it bothers her. It bothers her. Yeah, but I mean, like love is kind of you know the the main thing. Like if I got to say hi to her across the room, like or ask for something, it's love. Hey love. Hey love. Can you get this for me? Yeah. Tony's a good dude. He's awesome. He's awesome. You know he wears a pinky ring sometimes. I know. Then his whole mentality. His whole. That's (laughs) that's what I have always thought of Tony Marini as the the pinky ring whenever I think of him. But a great guy, great family. Yes. Megan's awesome. She is. She is very Her dad's awesome. one of the toughest guys I, I know. I love Neil. I wouldn't he's, mess with Neil. He's amazing. I don't know if I'd ever met. Like, if you look at Neil, that'd be one guy that I'd probably go after in the, a bar fight. Well, that's the and funny thing. And then he'd kill you. Yeah. Yeah, and then he'll kill you. Yeah. Like, literally kill you. Yeah. He's tough. I've worked yeah. out with him a lot. Really? He used to come back here to my backyard at the pool. Yeah. And we would do Krav Maga that's a couple awesome. times a week. That is super yeah, cool. he's a great trainer. Yeah. He's yeah he's one of the nicest humans that I've ever been around. Amazing human being. Like the, one of the greatest. He comes out here a lot. That's that's super yeah. I cool. love I love him being at our get-togethers and our dinners and parties and stuff. Are you a hundred percent set on what this life has brought you? Are you you know you have it pretty good? Yeah, it's taken a lot of work. Probably had to make a lot of sacrifices. What else? What else do you want to see yourself doing in let's say the next sixty months? Your five-year goals right now, besides elevating your baseball career. Um, are you a family guy? Are you going to be a, a, a guy that's going to be committed to Gianna and you're going to, you're going to, you want to have a family ASAP? How do you, how do your conversations go? I mean, when you start marrying into an Italian family, you're talking, you know, you're talking it's a lot of people. You, there's a yeah. lot of people around. Yeah. Right? So do you want to have a family? Do you, your dad had kids pretty young because he's younger than me and you're, you're already 20 right now. So right. do you see you being a young father or do you see yourself, you know, maturing into your baseball career big time? time where do you see yourself in five years so my big thing is being able to being confident in the fact that i would be able to support a family and be comfortable with it like i don't want to i don't want to have any doubts about you know would we be able to do this would be we would we be able to do certain things um i don't want to be a a young father um but i mean i'm definitely a family person dedicated and i just all i want to do is is make the my family and the people around me that i surround myself with happy and be able to support those people in everything that they're doing and i mean it's stressful trying to balance it all the time it's it's tough to you know be gone for 10 months and then reappear in everybody's life and be like hey i'm here for 3 months and then i'm leaving again that's hard and so you know, my goal is to be able to to hopefully get up to the big leagues and have myself established and, you know, have a contract and, and know where I'm going to be coming back to every year so that, you know, I could really have an established house and wherever, wherever I'm playing at and be able to call, you know, I, I call Reno home because that's where I'm from. But then I'm in Lake Elsinore, California, and I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and San Antonio, Texas, and Arizona for the majority of the year. And then I come home to Reno for three months. That's really hard. Um, so having having something that I know I'd be coming back to every day and having an established house and you know knowing where I'm going to be playing every season, um, that'll make things a lot easier. I like it. Yeah. 
I like it. What um, I know you can't really say anything bad about any organization, especially the one that you play for, but were you hoping it was the Yankees or the Dodgers? That- I wasn't actually. Going into the draft, everybody was like, who would you want to get drafted by? And we were a Giants family growing up. Yeah. Um, grandparents, San Francisco ties. And so that was the team we rooted for. But going into the draft, they're like, who do you want? Like, if you could pick, who would you want to get drafted by? And I'm like, the Padres would be pretty cool. Like, and I just, I had a feeling that, that there was a pretty good chance of them taking me. And it just, it happened that they did. And everybody, everybody in the family was super happy because obviously I'm closer now than going to the Braves or the Marlins and having spring training in Florida and, you know, being all the way across the country for everything. You know, San Diego's a a pretty easy shot to get to for for games. So So you're happy with the San Diego Padres choosing What a great stadium. Yes. God, I love being in games there. It is beautiful. It's beautiful. The weather's nice. The fan base, though, has always been kind of iffy to me. They're you know, like they're, they're, it's kind of like a transient, like it's almost like a Reno fan base. You know, Reno's front runners big time. Right. If you as soon as you like go in the you know in the toilet and you don't win, yeah, it's like they turn on you a little right. bit. I've always felt that way about San Diego. What have you been taught about the organization? I mean, you always hear in the news about how awesome the Dodgers organization is and their ownership group and how they want to take care of their players. And they're going after, you know, you know everybody right now. Haters like, yeah. you know, the, the top three for the for hater, I think I heard is the Yankees, the Dodgers and the Rangers. Right. So, I mean, the Dodgers are in the talks for everybody. They just yeah. signed, you know, who and both of the uh, big arms that came out this year. They're trying to get hater. Yeah. I mean, magic in that entire organization, what they're doing with the Dodgers, they want to win. Yeah. Do you get the same feeling from the the ownership uh, ownership group of the Padres? I do. And I mean, I I feel like we got a lot of, I say we as in the Padres, like got a lot of backlash for buying people to to try and win. And I think that's what the Dodgers are doing right now. They're spending a lot of money on guys because they want to win. And I just think it's interesting that there's not the same backlash towards them that there was towards us because we spent the the same amount of money or they've spent a little more than us now that they signed you know who and it's it's just not the same but i mean if, if that's what you got to do to win the the padres there's not a lot that are that is you know public that that people know about the padres and they just they take really good care of of the guys that are dedicated and that are in the system and you know are doing everything that is asked of them and a little bit more and you know they they give you all the resources you need if you if and if they don't have it and you ask for it they're they're going to find a way to get it for you which that's something that i think is awesome and not every organization would do for you from what i've heard from other buddies and other organizations all right paint me a picture it's july you get called up your first series is in chavez ravine you're in dodger stadium los angeles under the lights friday night how do you pitch Oatani and what happens in the at bat? That's tough. No, come on, you got it. You just told me you have confidence. You make I do. you make everything <laughs> I do. competitive. I do. I'm not looking at you saying you're going to strike him out on no. three pitches, but I'll tell me a you picture. what I'll throw against him. L- let me hear it. I go fastball inside to start. Okay, brush. I'd probably throw it for a ball. Brush really high, plate. low, and like just ins- no, no. It'll be close to the belt line. Nothing, nothing. You know, malicious about it. Just right. oops, I missed inside a little bit. Fastball inside, and I'll go probably breaking ball low and away, and then go two fastballs up and in. Does he swing at that low and away? I'm, I've had pretty good success with it. Getting I, people yeah. to sweep at it? Yeah. And then you strike him out on a high fastball away? I didn't say I strike him out. Well, what did you say I said I'll throw two fastballs <laughs> What, what and happens? And then, you know, it's not a coin flip, but we'll, we'll see what – 
what happens with those two. Do you strike him out? And let's say you get three opportunities with them on that first night. Maybe we'll see in July. <laughs> I don't That's, know. I think that might be a good little way to call you up as the Dodgers. Yeah. I think I'll be they there. might listen to this. I'm going to come. Like, All I'm right, gonna... we got we to gotta call them up. Oh, they for... do. Davey, Davey listens to this. Davey comes on here. Um, are you going to uh, – are you going to have family at all your games? I mean, is your mom and dad so in tune with this career that, that you're going to have to leave tickets that players I, will call? I can't tell you how many people would be at my major league at my debut game. Like, it's going to be off the charts. Yeah, Isn't be, that a cool feeling? Be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've thought about it a lot. It's, it's pretty crazy that there's that much support for me. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. awesome. I'm very lucky. Well, I'm proud for you, man. Thank you. It's, it's it's something that every kid that ever puts a glove on. 1982 Valley Providence Little League for me. Putting it on, I had bangs hanging out like right. you do right now. Corduroy jeans, independent sanitation was the dump before waste management bought it, and 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 the Carmelas were in that in that in the garbage business, and they sponsored our league, right? At Valley Providence Little League, right. and I played out in Lemon Valley. And man, I just thought I was going to make the major leagues. And then I got to college ball at UNLV. Yeah. And Fred Dallimore called me the biggest recruiting mistake that oh, he ever shit. made, which sucked to hear, That's, right? Yeah. Then I got dropped back down to junior college ball, went to Colby and played for Reed Peters, who's right. a stud that played at UNLV. And then my baseball career just took me from there into into Division Two baseball, and I never got drafted. And I always had it like, oh, I got, I'd have some cross checkers looking at me, right. but I never got drafted. Yeah. And now I'm I'm so lucky that I get to be, you know, meet guys like you or Will Clark. I just hunted with Will and Bo Jackson was just here for a That's big awesome. tournament when Bo came out to the house for lunch, and he was he was like my hero growing up, yeah. right? And I and I look back on it like, damn it, I would I would trade everything that I have in life. For like one A B, yeah, that's how special baseball is, right? And football's cool, and you know, I, I got buddies that play in the NFL, and I'm just not, I'm not in tune with it as much as you were, right? I enjoyed it, yeah, but there's something about the game of baseball. Golf doesn't do it, soccer doesn't do it, yeah, MMA doesn't do it. Baseball players are, and I'll say it again on the podcast, so everybody's going to call in and tell me I'm an idiot, but baseball players are the greatest. All around athletes Best on earth. Athletes on earth. They are. They can adapt their eye hand coordination. If you take the top baseball players in the have world, you seen and, basketball players swing a bat. I tell you, you should hear my arguments in this, dude. I have. I have people awful. come on here just to argue me, argue this with me. But there's something special about the game and walking in onto that yard. Yeah. There's nothing like that. So enjoy it while you can. Yes. Absolutely. Don't take it for granted. Kick ass with it. Congratulations. I'm proud for you. Um, you have any closing words? Are you are you excited for the spring? Are you are you itching to get down there right now and, and get the stirrups on and put the leather on? Yes, I'm I'm really excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, we don't really know what spring training is gonna look like this year. Like you said, it's it's gonna be different this year. Um, but I mean, I'm all for it. I think I put myself in a pretty good situation with with the season last year, so I'm just over i'm past excited you know for what this season can can have for me you're fired up yeah have you got your first baseball card yet i have yeah you didn't yeah. bring me one do you have some in your, i have one am i mm, do i have is one it tops card? upper deck donris who makes them these days bowman and then bowman. i have some tops and then i have panini and what a feeling huh? how Onyx. cool is it you got your own baseball it's, card it's pretty that's pretty the coolest awesome. yeah i'm gonna take you in and show you some of the uh this is the baseball, the shadow box. I would love that. I need, yeah, because I'm going to have to have a Robbie Snell yeah, one. Yeah, I'll get you one. I'm going to have to get him a Queen jersey, mm -hmm. Padres jersey, 
and then I'll show you what we build out. Do a, do a big slew. shrine. Yeah. Well, it's not, I, I, I do have a little shrine being built in Arkansas right now. That's yeah. going to have like a, it's going to be flooded timber duck hunting, 168 acres of flooded trees. Oh, wow. And we got 24 acres of high ground that sits above the trees. Right. So our lodge, we start the construction of our lodge in April and it'll look out over the flooded timber. That's so you'll awesome. be able to watch the mallards yeah. pitching in. And I'm going to have a huge, pretty much sports display or, you know, just like everything that I've accumulated. Yeah. I'm not a hoarder, but I like collect things that are yeah. sentimental to me, you know, absolutely guys I've hunted with and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, I'll have to have two different, I'll have to have a McQueen high school, Robbie Snelling and a Padres, Robbie Snelling. That'd be awesome. Be pretty slick. Yeah. I'll get you a jersey and a ball. Yeah. A card. Oh, yeah. I'll show you. I'll, I'll take you in and show you what we do. Awesome. Robbie Snelling, San Diego Padres Phenom is what they call you. That's a cool that's, word to that's be called. A, that's a very cool term. That's a you. cool word to be called, yeah. the Phenom. But the the season last year, I can't get over it. Keep that. Keep your head about you. I know you will. Yeah. You obviously have a good head on your shoulders. Keep taking care of the little Marini girl. Love. Hey, love. Hey, if you're love. out there listening, hey, love. love. There you are. Tony's the man. I love Tony to death. Love May and Neil. That's, I, I can already see it right now. Major leaguer Robbie Snelling with this bodyguard named Neil Fincher. Yeah. That everybody, he'll have a little earpiece in. Right. He already does. Like, he has hearing aids. So he's got a, he's got a, he, an earpiece hey, in. Hey, everybody's like, what kind of bodyguard is this? And then be like, F around and find yeah. out, dude. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> don't want to find out. <laughs> you don't want to find out no. with this guy. All right. Robbie Snelling, my man. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on. This life ain't for everybody. We are going to bring Robbie back on after uh, we go duck hunting together. We're going to have yeah. him on the Foul Life podcast. Big duck hunter, big game hunter, oh, likes yeah. to eat wild game. Yeah. You should have been here for breakfast today, man. I threw down on duck, elk, and speckle belly. Wow. Yeah. Tony Tony threw down some pancakes and sausage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Sounds what like we Tony. had. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you something to bring to Tony. I have his Christmas okay. present here. Yeah, I'll do that. Thank you all for listening. This life ain't for everybody. Thank you to our title sponsor. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey Jack Daniels. Thank you for being the presenting sponsor of This Life Ain't For Everybody. I can't wait for baseball. I can't wait. Wait, just like Bob Euchre in the movie Major League, uh, who gives a shit? Nobody's listening to any of you. You can't say that on the radio. Remember that movie? Yeah. Hands down, best baseball love- movie ever made. Yes. Is it? I agree. You agree? Yeah. Man, me and Robbie have a lot in common. Bull Durham's pretty good. Bull Durham's good. Rookie for the, of the, for year the love of the good. game. Brewster's Million with Richard Pryor. Yeah. It's not really a baseball movie. Love of the game, yeah. Sandlot, good. The Natural. The Natural, Roy Hobbs. That's yeah, a good one. Um, eight Men Out. But God, the whole movie, Major League, was just... But I, I was talking to Will Clark, and he told me that whoever wrote Bull Durham really knew baseball because yeah. of all the little nuances in right. there. And they did, you know, like when, yeah. they, when the when the pitching coach goes out to the bump or the manager, they, they really knew baseball yeah. on how they directed and produced that movie. Absolutely. All right, thank you all for listening. Thank you for the downloads, the subscriptions. This Life Ain't For Everybody. We'll be back with more awesome guests. You guys check out Robbie Snelling and the Padres organization. Left-hander. I'm going to say he'll be in the show by July, so tune in and There's watch out NL West. Pretty good prediction? That's I like it. Watch out the NL West. I'm, I like baseball. I don't have a favorite team. I really don't. Players. I like to watch, yeah, I like to watch baseball. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
another punch out for the youngster, Robbie Snelling. The Padres have some great young talent at their disposal, including their number three prospect and number one pitching prospect, Robbie Snelling. To have that job and set up a good life for my family later down the road, that's the most important thing for me. Today's Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody has been made possible by Flask App, Gator Coolers, and American Almond Beef. Chad Belding and Robbie Snelling will return after the break to close out the show. Thanks for listening. Being in the backyard at camp, being with friends and family, one thing that the pandemic did is it got us back in our backyards. It got us staying home more. And man, we just started doing so many cookouts, so much grilling. And we've been partnered with Traeger Grills for the last decade. And I don't know if you can be more innovative than what this brand has done from the new Timberline XL and the new Flat Rock, the Ironwood 885, all of their pellets, their rubs, their sauces, their glazes, their smash burger kit, you name it. Traeger Grills is awesome. And we use them a ton. I'm sure you've seen it on the Foul Life. You've seen it in our social media. Get creative. Be innovative. Think outside of the box. Wild game, domestic, vegetables, desserts, pizzas. You can do it all on a Traeger grill. And like I mentioned, that Timberline XL with that conduction plate, I'm talking high heat, reverse sear steaks. Anything you want to put on there gets it done in a hurry after you put a little smoke on them on the grill. Transfers right over. So easy. Everything is simplified. You can download the Traeger grills app you can find recipes you can work with pros like matt Pittman at meat church and chad ward at whiskey bent barbecue and so many others from across the country to master these recipes it's simple and that's what traeger is all about they did not want your backyard experience to be complex so when you're thinking of fun and good food and flavor recipes thinking outside the box think no further than traeger grills i can't wait to get back in my traeger grill just cook up something delicious thank you all very much i think lighting is everything I don't like being in the dark. I don't even like secrets being told. That's kind of keeping you in the dark, isn't it? I don't like setting up decoys in the dark. I don't like looking for anything in the dark. Turn your headlights and drive down the street. Obviously, it's impossible. Lighting is everything. A well-lit room, a well-lit hunt. They make your decoys look better when that sun's shining on them. Mallards perform different, and we perform better and differently when we have our rigid light bars, all of the rigid lights on our trailer. When we can see what we are doing, setting up our blinds, concealing our blinds, setting up our spread, exact distance from a fence or a tree line that we want to be, when you can brighten up the night, brighten up those early mornings. I'm telling you, it makes your hunting success go way up. The odds are in your favor when you put Rigid on your trucks, in your bumpers, in your light bars. Check them out at rigidindustries.com. I can't say enough about their LED technology. It is the best. It's often imitated, but never duplicated. I know you've heard that before, but there is nothing like Rigid Lights. R-I-G-I-D. You'll find them on all of our Corning Ford Fords, all of our rigs, all of our trailers, on the noses, on the sides, on the back door. When we turn on our lights on our trucks and trailers, we ignite the field and we ignite the hunt. And that's exactly what Rigid Industry does. It ignites our passion for the outdoors. The official LED light bar and lights of the Foul Life podcast and Benelli's The Foul Life TV. See them in action right now, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. Brand new episode, season 15 of Benelli's The Foul Life. Thank you so much, Rigid. And thank you all for supporting the brands and partners that support us. Gator Coolers, the drinkware, the coolers, the 45, the 70, 
70, the 110, on wheels. Keep that meat fresh. Keep those drinks cold. Ice for days, the retention, the design, the attention to detail, just how cool they are aesthetically. It's just a great American brand out of the great state of Louisiana. The McGeehee Brothers, my boy Brian, they are kicking butt. The official cooler and drinkware of the Foul Life Television and the Foul Life Podcast. I can't say enough. I love opening a Gator cooler and seeing it full of our bounty. Wings on if we're traveling, possession limits only, everything ethical, but I love eating wild game and I love making sure that it's fresh and that's exactly what a Gator cooler allows the hunter or fisher to do. I don't take it for granted. I travel with several of them in our trucks and trailers. We have snacks in them. We have drinks in them. They come with cutting boards. They do not leak. They do not allow air into it. Their design is absolutely perfect and they are reinventing the way that people take care of their food, their bounty, and they support Ducks Unlimited, California Waterfowl Association, so many conservation agencies across the country. You can find them at the NWTF convention in Nashville, Tennessee this coming February 2024 as part of our booth. We don't go anywhere without Gator. They are cold-blooded down to the core, the official cooler of the Foul Life Television and the Foul Life Podcast. Get you a Gator for this season. I promise you, it's going to keep your meat fresher. Today's Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with host Chad Belding and the Padres' Robbie Snelling was a home run. Thank you all for listening. This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you to our title sponsor. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey Jack Daniels. You guys check out Robbie Snelling and the Padres organization. That's, I like it. Don't miss a single broadcast of This Life Ain't For Everybody by streaming all new and archived shows on SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, and at this this life ain't for everybody.com. Thanks for listening and go Padres.